I'm always putting constant stress on my body, which is why I decided to try mud water. And it has been a game changer in regard to mental focus. The blend of adaptogenic mushrooms, cordyceps, and lion's mane all support focus, physical performance, and are great for the immune system. Now, these aren't the hallucinogenic type of mushrooms, but I do like that mud water gives back to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Using Psychedelics to help treat individuals with mental health disorders. Go to mudwater.com, that's M-U-D-W-T-R, use code CAM for 15% off your first order. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. Well, this is Keep Hammering Collective, and I'm here with my brother, Taylor Spike. And that's always uh, people like, well, wait, how, he's your brother, but he's got a different last name. That's confusing for people. What do you say about that? Oh, <laughs> we got the same mom. <laughs> we got the same mom, yeah. yeah. Mm. People have stories, though. People have already made up something, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I changed it, or you changed it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so just to, for the backstory, um, because people don't know and we probably haven't, I mean, how would you know? But so, um, our mom's the same, your dad is your dad. I have, a, I have a different dad or had, had a different dad. My dad died in 2010. Um, but so my mom got remarried, uh, had me and Pete, we were, you know, brothers. And then she got married to Greg and had you and Megan. And so that's my, uh, my half brothers, you and half sisters, Megan, but we just say brother, sister. And then, um, my dad, he married Candy, my stepmom, and they had a son, Justin. So I, I have a wide array or right wide variety of brothers and sisters. But, um, for me, it was, it was weird because when we were young or when you were young and I was, I mean, we're 10 years difference in age. So I moved away from home when I was 17 and, you know, was gone, never came back. You were seven. It's like hard to have really a connection with a 17 year old and a seven year old. What, I mean, what do you remember about me back then? I, I've never even asked you this. No, but, that's a good one. This yeah, is, that's good. Um, well, you were mythical, right? Mythical. Oh, yeah. yeah because okay. you always, um, it was always, you were out always doing something. And then when you did come home, I remember, like when you came home from Sock, that was from Southern Oregon, mm -hmm. right? When you were going to school there. Yeah. You were going to university, you were playing football. Um, that was, you know, that was somebody to look up to, mm -hmm. right? That was, you were, and when you came, you would come and go. Uh, and then the bow hunting thing started and it was just, you were just untouchable. You were just... <laughs> somebody to look up to um yeah so always the influence was always positive to me other than the regular big brother stuff i mean i got picked on right that was regular but yeah um and then correcting me you know you always had that role that you would come in and i remember multiple times you showing up at kind of the right moment um to correct me i remember megan 
uh, our little sister, Mm -hmm. her and I, year and a half apart, and during the summers we'd fight like animals. And and you seemed to always be there to correct me at the Mm. moment that I needed to be corrected. So that's what I remember. Well... I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad there's something positive there because at that time <laughs> in my life, you know, I looking, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking back this morning, wondering, God, I probably was just the worst big brother at that time, just because I know what I was doing was, you know, just kind of, it might seem good from the outside, but like what I was dealing with was drinking all the time, you know, not really fi- not knowing what I was going to do with life uh, after football was like kind of a lost period. So um, when I would come back for for you, I, there's a few times like I'd take you hunting. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Uh, tell us about what do you remember about hunting? Oh, geez. Um, my first buck. I remember my first buck. You coming to the school. Um I was in junior high. No, Pete came and got you and, and brought, brought you to me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pulled me out of school. Right. And up whittling. I yeah. Can, I can vaguely remember up to 2000. I, I feel like I still kind of could probably drive there. Really? Yeah. yeah. And then across the canyon, there's this great big buck bedded down on the hillside. <laughs> yeah. And that, that one was, you know, I was up there all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. That's all I ever used to do is go up, look. I wasn't even hunting taking pictures, whatever. I just, all I cared about was being out. And I found this giant, it was like a five by, it kind of broke on the one side, but it was five on one time, uh, just a classic big black tail. And he was bedded in this reprod and I'm like, he's going to stay there all day. So I'm like, I need, I need to have somebody kill this buck. And you, that was your first year, your first year hunting, your yeah. rifle hunting. I think you were 12, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I went down, no cell phones or anything at this time. I went down to Wayne's Market is now it's called Marcoa Community Market or whatever. And I called Pete and I said, hey, you need to go. You were going to Pleasant Hill. I said, go get Taylor out of school. Bring him up here. I got the gun. Bring him up. And I said, I got this giant buck on him to kill. So this took a while. Right. And then we went back up there and sure as shit. We went out to that landing, looked straight across. And that buck was bedded right there. And then so then it was a matter. And it's actually a long shot. It's like 300 yards. But we got your on arrest and everything. Then what happened? I shot a lot. <laughs> it was horrible. But you, but you hit you hit yes. him in the in the like hit ankle. Him. Yeah, I hit him. Yes, yeah, in the rear ankle. So he mm-hmm. started limping. And he couldn't get up the hill. Exactly. He bedded back down. Yeah, got him killed. Yep. And that was a big buck. Yeah, huge. Yeah, still have that buck. Yeah, really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Man. I kept all those. Yeah, there was that. Um, there was a fork of horn. I remember. Yeah. We, it was getting dark. We were headed down. We were super discouraged. Like there's a dirt, mm-hmm. but you always had that. Well, now looking back, when you, when you spend that much time out there, you start to notice things are out of place. Right. And that's what you could do. Then I'd always say, how could he see there? No way you could see that. But if you drive by it a hundred times, exactly. it's out of place. Yeah. So yeah, it was, but hunting with you was like cheating. Cause if I really needed to kill a buck, then I'd call you. <laughs> Cause you, know, you always would tell me, Oh, here or there. And it, you're always right. So, but uh. Yeah, even after that, though, the skills, you know, spending time in the woods, right? That's, I got that from you, so. Well, uh, I mean, we'll talk about that, but you've taken it to another level now. Um, Then, let's see, I do also remember, I can't remember what buck it was. Must have been your third buck or maybe, I I don't know which one, but there was one way out on, it used to be called the 1074, and I used to go out there because it was just a money spot. And you killed this buck, 
And it, probably, I'm sure I gutted your first one. I don't know about the second one, probably, but then maybe this third one, maybe I said, okay, you know how to do it. You need to, do you remember this one? Out on the landing? Yeah. Kind, yeah. Yeah. Down over the, yeah. Yes. I remember. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. when I cut my thumb, <laughs> gotten it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I said, okay, you got to do this one by yourself. Remember how to do it. And you first like try to get that knife in there and just slice your thumb wide open. And try to pretend I didn't. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. It's, I mean, that was a good one. Like it, my thumb didn't even work. It yeah. was weird for it, months. Did you get stitches in that? No. Oh yeah. That was a bad cut. Well, I don't want to tell anybody. Yeah. I remember getting home and washing my hand and going, yeah, that looks a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was like, you did that first off and then you're trying to be tough. And I was like, oh, blood going everywhere. And I'm like, okay, fuck, get out. Let me, I'll do this. And, uh, but you were such a young kid and I'm not a, not a good teacher. I'm more like, I remember us going out and you know how it always is very hard for somebody to see an animal when one person sees it, trying to get the other person to see it in a mess of everything. And I'd be so frustrated, not just you, oh. but anybody. It's like holding a flashlight for your dad. Yeah. That was yours. You know, yeah, it's exactly. like, you don't see it. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I remember grabbing the, your head like this and pointing your head right at it. And it's just like, you don't see that right there. Probably sometimes you said you did see it, even though you didn't. I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, but classic times. Then we also went to the wilderness once. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was that? Uh, well, we drove over after you worked all day. Mm -hmm. uh, we were looking for, oh, yeah, we were looking for the llamas. Yeah, oh, that's right. Were, that's what it was. The eagle caps. Yeah, we went in, uh, on, a, on a hunting trip. Llamas got loose and disappeared. And so I can't, now I can't remember, I don't know if Tim lost the llamas or I, I think he took them, lost them. And so I went back to find them. Yep. And it, you know, we're in a, a 30 mile by 60 mile wilderness. It's 300 some thousand acres looking for a couple animals. That's tough. Well, we started at midnight. No, it was, I think it was closer to one. Yeah. Well, we got, by time work, we got there. Yeah. Four or five and drive over there eight or nine hours mm -hmm. and then just hit the trail. And I thought, well, we're going in now. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we're going to walk till it gets light. We'll just take it. We'll just lay down for a minute or rest for a little. It wasn't laying down. I think that was my idea. Yeah. And we did. We walked till daylight and I had never been on anything like that. Yeah. How old were you at that time? I remember the pictures. Yeah. I must've been 14 or 15 mm -hmm. because I wasn't driving. Yeah. Um, but I was young, you know, I thought I was fit and yeah, I was destroyed. That <laughs> was horrible. That country's tough. It is. But it's like any that you get back in there, it's usually, you know, that's the piece that makes it worth it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so now you've went, I guess we'll fast forward. And now, so that all sounds like, like overwhelming, but you were young and uh, it probably was overwhelming. But now you've really, the mountains are home to you, it feels like. I mean, how has that journey been and, and what do you... You say, I think you mentioned peace or I don't know what, how you just said it, but what are the mountains like to you now? Uh, well, that's, I guess that's a place I can go to get away from everything and just kind of be myself, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, day, everybody's days full of life or whatever excuse or reason they have. But when they, you know, going to Pisgah, you know, it's a small area. You know, people think, you know, um, that Pisgah might be this great big area wilderness and it's a pretty right. small area that we utilize and it's home right but it's a mountain yeah um, and it's it's a you know you got to sacrifice a little bit to get up and it's usually worth it yeah so 
and nobody messes with you. You know, it's like nobody's going to dictate how you're doing the mountains. That's your thing. So right. we don't get that all the time. And I might well. take advantage of it more than I should. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we usually find a lot of excuses to get over there and get some miles in. But so a lot of people you know, have mentioned um, they wanted to hear have you on the podcast. And I did, too, because, you know, you've just obviously, you know, I love you. You're my brother. But also your story is is powerful. I mean, I see you wearing your recovery strong hoodie there and we can get into that. But when I just think of you now and when everybody thinks of you now, it's just a very talented ultra runner, very talented runner in the mountains. And, uh, I mean, you're one of the best in this area. You know, I mean, it's the, the world's a big place. There's some crazy runners out there, but for here, I mean, you're at the top of the list as far as guys who can get out there and crush miles on the mountains. Um, tell me about that evolution from first getting into running to where you are now. Wow. Um, well, it started with trying to get in shape was the first thing because I was a couple hundred bills and riding dirt bikes and thought it was a tough guy. You know, I was yeah. couch, couch tough and uh, trying to get in shape. And then, uh, you were doing Western States 100 mm -hmm. and that was, uh, you know, kind of, I had no idea what that really was, but you had to ask me, I'd kind of started running and done like an eight K. I didn't even know what eight K was. I didn't even know how far it was. And yeah. I remember, uh, Pete had done it with us and then Greg and they crushed me and it was like, this is running things pretty hard. And then all of a sudden it was, I was intrigued by you doing Western States. Uh, and that had become a big goal for you. And then you had asked me to pace you. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had, back surgery and I couldn't pace you. Um, and that was like this thing that I had, I remember I was just thinking about that this morning, running on a ridgeline trail with you and you're just crushing me and I'm just foot flopping across there thinking I'll never be able to do this. But in that moment thinking, you know what, he's, he's a man, I'm mm -hmm. a man, you know, if he's can do this, I can do this. I just need to stick and stick with it. Right. Right. And that just kind of progressed, you know, it was, uh, doing the, the 8k and uh getting past that and set new goals gosh I'm losing my train of thought <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, it's a journey it's uh you know everybody starts at, at whatever level they're at and it can seem overwhelming but then you just start chipping away and then you at some point you did a marathon right yep i did the eugene marathon mm -hmm. um and well, the first thing I had done was I'd signed up for SOB 50K. Mm. And that was one that um, I watched. Um, I was healing up from the back surgery. Um, and then, of course, I immediately signed up for another race because it was like, well, you know, I was ready to do that. It was in the mountains. I mean, SOB 50K, you had told me about it all the time. You know, yeah. That's the closest mountain race you can get. And so that's what I was going to do. Right. When I couldn't, I found something else. And that's right. when I had signed up for... Um, it was a frozen trail 50k mm -hmm. in Mount Pisgah. Mm -hmm. So that was officially the first time that I had ever gone any, any race other than like a, I did a shotgun trail blast 25k. Yeah. So I went from a 25k to a 50k and then did the Eugene marathon that oh, next spring. I see. So okay. yeah, that was, and I did that 50k and remember in a rain slick wool socks carrying a Gatorade <laughs> and almost died. I, it was raining. It was pretty tough. Those first ones are way worse than anything I've done now. Yeah. I, I mean, I the first two miles I ran, I remember with, with Donovan, you know, one afternoon, those two miles, 
I've been closer to dying than any 200 or 100 I've ever done. You yeah. Know, those moments when you first start learning trying to run God, it's miserable yeah it hurts i people say that all the time like they they have a hard time with a mile or, or a tough they can't even fathom doing say if we do like a half marathon a day or something like that they can't fathom because those first ones for them are like you and like me when i first started it's like this this doesn't how you're like wondering how people do this but once your body gets used to it, and as I've said, your body gets used to what you ask of it. Yep. So if you haven't asked your body to run before, of course it's going to be hard. But once your body's like, oh, okay, this is what we do, it's what you do. Yep. And then so how did you progress from that 50K? So that was a struggle. And then where did you have your first success that really felt like a runner? Probably at Tahoe, Tahoe 200. Oh, really? Probably 10 years later. Wow. 10 years. Yeah, because I had never really like focused on anything. It was just mm-hmm. like, I just got out of the mountains. That mm-hmm. was always, it was a good reason to get out, spend 15, 20 hours every weekend trying to go climb something or ski or just spend time in the mountains. But to actually like sit down on paper and say, I really want to be a successful ultra runner, mm-hmm. it was Tahoe 200. And it was the second year. It wasn't the first one. The, and you got, did you get third the first year too? Yeah. So you got behind Courtney, (laughs) you got third two years Mm -hmm. and the first year you're saying you weren't as intentional as you were the second year, Correct. but you still got third, Yep. even though not being intentional. Um, one thing I've noticed with you, I, I, I mean, you are up and down in ultras cause we've run a few now and it's like, I think maybe everybody goes through this, but maybe it's, I notice it more on you just because I know you, but it seems like you get down, 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 and then you're back crushing. And it's just like that, maybe that's just the the game of ultra running, especially those long ones. It's like, you're going to have peaks and valleys because, you know, you go out too fast. Like in that one, that was the one I think, well, the first one I fell, you got third, but there was times where I was like, oh my God, he's struggling. He is struggling. And dying. I don't know how this is going to go. And then you come back and you get fucking third. I mean, you beat a lot of good runners and right behind one of the best ever in Courtney. Yeah. Um, If it hadn't been for those pros. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I know. They crushed it. If they wouldn't show up all the time. Yeah, her and Kyle. We'd be legends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So 10 years. And what was... I mean, I guess, so you wanted to be in the mountains as much as you could. Was that to take away the urge to drink or what do you think was? Yeah, the- oh yeah, absolutely. It filled my time because I can't be bored. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I sit at home now and it's like, I feel like the laziest person in the world. And I used to just drink and watch TV. Yeah. And that was okay. And you were fine with it. That's what everybody did. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then now it's, it's literally, you know, like this last week, it's, you know, I got an hour and a half to kill. I, I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to go for a run. Maybe yeah. I can get eight or nine miles in. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so in speaking of that, like if you look at your volume now, what I know we talked about this, I was talking with Nick about it the other day because he was in that contest to try to, who could run uh, 50,000 feet of gain quickest in a month. And he was in, you know, with Sean Remington. Oh yeah. And so then we were talking about what you do. And tell me about what you do as far as volume and climbing. What's your goals? Uh, my goal is 15 to 20 hours a week. 
of running of running and that's um and i try to and i try to keep that you know over 60 60 miles so to do that um say like to get if i'm looking to not um run a bunch like it's early in the season like that was when they were doing that challenge like through january february actually i think i started in december in december it was uh i wanted to get a lot of volume um but i wasn't worried about pace so Mm -hmm. i started doing pisca and i was doing it 20 times a week Mm -hmm. and i did that for about eight weeks and that's like 60 miles a week and that was just to kind of build my base and then um and then i'll kind of i'll shift that like now i need to be like 80 90 miles a week Mm -hmm. um but i'll drop my elevation down to you know maybe 10 or fifteen thousand. so it's the same amount of time yeah it's just different but less climbing yeah but doing pisca it's like every race i've ever done i i think to myself i should have done this more I should have done Pisco more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter. It, it's like you're climbing something, you're tired, and the math on races. I mean, most hundred milers do between twenty and twenty-five thousand feet of climbing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do Pisca, you know, twenty-four times, you know, you're still not at hundred miles. You go run around the base a few times. It's pretty similar. I mean, yeah, it's not that far off. Right. So it, it and it's not it's not a huge mountain, but you can get. I mean, there's places where you can get a thousand foot of gain in a mile. Yeah. You know, there's that one. Uh, you've, you told me about it, I think going up the, the straight up above the Arboretum maybe, but then also Nick told me one where if you go off the backside towards P Hill and then go down to that Creek crossing on the, on that road and yep. just back to top, that's a mile. So you're normally the main trail is a mile and a half for a thousand feet yep. of gain, but you can make it a mile and then just get that gain because that's what it is. It's like, you got to get those legs toughened up when they're beat down to still be able to climb at a decent speed yeah yeah and you know in the first couple of weeks of that it's it's like anything it's it's miserable i mean it's everything you can do to get out then mm-hmm. it feels like that third fourth week things start to kind of flip and then you mm-hmm. realize you know i'm i'm running up and before it was a struggle to get up in 20 minutes every summit and then it was 18 then it was 17 and then you know you start to feel that progression and yeah that's when it's, it's hard to back out i know it's that like, feels good doesn't it well it's just like you know my entire progression with just being in the mountains and running is just physically and mentally i've gotten stronger and better and um i you know you see those results and man, why stop yeah no i know it's like uh yeah you can't it's like a fire that's going and you just want to keep putting yep. wood on it but like you said there's times it's almost out yeah it, you got to get down there and get some uh, a little bit of kindling on there start blowing on it a little bit maybe some maybe shavings. Ask for some help <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah throw some gas on it something yeah. well yes but someday when you're in shape I don't think there's a better feeling than running mountains. To me, I feel like as, as strong as I've ever felt when I can run hard in the mountains through the woods. Yep. Yeah. It's You're unstoppable. <laughs> I yeah. know. Yeah. I wish nice. everybody could feel like that, actually. Yeah. I Yeah, I do too. But, you know, uh, seeing how many people have gone up Pisgah with that book. I know. That's been awesome. Oh, that's my great. God. It's, that's a, seeing people post and share that. you. You know, we go up and we spend our time there, but we're only there for a sliver of the day. Mm-hmm. There's other people who are up there while we're working or doing whatever we're doing. And you see those names in that book and you realize yeah, there's a lot of people up here. Yeah. It's good. That The book that Taylor's referencing is originally somebody who put, who took the original book up there? Carl. Carl Llewellyn? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love Carl. God, he grinds hard. Um, and here's a fun fact about Carl. Back, I had shot this buck 
we had called the legend because everybody would see it is up Marcola. It crossed the road on the power lines all the time and it was giant. And I was obsessed with this buck. We called it the legend. It was just a, a huge black tail. Somebody stole those antlers from me. But anyways, one of my last rifle kills and I, me and, um, Jeff Nelson were walking up there. There's a piece of BLM and sure as shit, the legend was standing out in the unit up on top. And, uh, I shot this buck and I, now I can't even remember where I hit it. it must've been, been back or something you know, with a 300 mag. So it did some da damage, but anyway, it ran off and rifles don't bleed that, you know, a wound from a rifle doesn't bleed like a bow, but it took off. So I had a few guys up there trying to help me track this thing down and Carl actually found it. So this is back. Uh, this would have been 35 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we we're all from Arcola. He found it. We got pictures in the back of my truck of everybody. And uh, Carl was the one. So now, fast forward 35 years later, Carl is still up there grinding the mountain. He's still got a big smile on his face. He's got the Roy Tough uh, hitch cover on his truck. He's just been this guy who's been in my life in and out for forever. And so he took this book up there for, because he sees you all the time too. And so I think, I think it said Taylor spike, you have mail and it was just a leather bound book and people would sign it. I had my guests that I'd come on the podcast, they'd sign it. And then somebody took it. Is that right? Or yeah. did it disappear? Yeah. Somebody had wrote in there. This is trash. There were some comments in there that were like, of course, I thought about tearing the pages out. I was like, <laughs> you know what? This is, this is part of the deal. Yeah. And, uh, and then it was gone. Mm. And I had taken uh, Paxton, my youngest one, and his buddy, it was on like a Sunday. And I said, uh, they're 14, they need to run, and they're not. They're sitting around doing nothing. So mm -hmm. what you, you guys are coming with me. So we took him up there. I said, I'm going to show you the book. And then that's when we realized it was gone. Oh. Yeah, and it was it was gone. But we saw Carl on our way down, and we kind of had told the story, you know, about have brought him up here. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll replace it. And then sure as heck, the next day, he was up there with a new book. Yeah. A bigger book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so, now there's a new book up there, and there's new signatures in it. Yep. And that's kind of a cool little thing. But, yeah, it's great seeing. And you see all ranges of people out there because it's not a crazy climb. I mean, you can do it if you have some time. Yeah. And we get up there, we see, I've seen guys who, you know, it's a struggle maybe 300 plus pounds, a struggle to get up there and they're up there. Then you see, I mean, you, you know, some of the best runners in the area just crushing it. So it's like, it's kind of this, um, it's a draw for everybody just to come and be something positive, something to, uh, acknowledge others for their effort. And, uh, you get to the top of the mountain and you got the monument up there and it's just like, I feel like you won the day. Yeah. That's why we do it. Right. Yeah. Especially for the amount of years we've been doing it. I know. I mean, have you ever thought of how many times you've been to the top of that thing? Mm, yeah, I, I have no idea. Thousands, I bet. <laughs> Probably, yeah. It's. Uh, but it doesn't ever feel like that. I mean, when I go up, I don't think I've been up here thousands of times. No. I. It's like still that moment and that push and that run that you're, you're thinking about, right? It's still, like, you know, sometimes I'll go and it's like... Well, I, I need a little bit of time to warm up, so I'll go and I run along the river and go out to the far gate, then go up. Because if you just go from the parking lot up the main trail and you push, that is freaking hard. I mean, it hurts so bad every time. That little that little pole right oh, there. Oh, I know. Yeah, the first little bend to the left, and then you can kind of see up. Yeah, that's miserable. Yeah, your I legs mean, feel like they're 
solid logs. They yeah. don't want to move at all. No. And if you push right there, of course, nobody wants to really push all the time. You know, you kind of like just chop it up little steps. But if you actually push, oh my gosh, it gets, you know, you know, when your arms are tingling. It took me six weeks. Was it, yeah, about six weeks of doing repeats on that 15 to 20 mm -hmm. to the point that I could run that whole first portion and feel pretty good mm -hmm. and then run the whole thing at that same pace. But mm -hmm. it took, I mean, that's 80, is that 60, 80 times doing, doing laps right there to be like, Oh, I can finally run this. <laughs> and the progression, it's never like, Oh yeah, tomorrow I'm going to be awesome. It takes that long. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of you guys will be interested in this next sponsor. First light farms, is a New Zealand-based farm that ships elk meat straight to your door. The reality is not everyone's gonna fill their tag every year, so First Light Farms is ready to fill your freezer with lean protein that is high in iron, zinc, and B vitamins. To tell you the truth, I've been pretty surprised at how tender the meat is from First Light Farms. And I guess it's because they have no natural predators in New Zealand, so the elk live a pretty low-stress life, and you can taste that in the meat. They're offering listeners of the podcast a 15% discount using code CAM15 at stateclub.firstlight.farms. The link will be in the show notes of the podcast for those interested. Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops is a sponsor of the podcast. And that's especially powerful for me because I remember when Cabela's came to town, came to Springfield, Oregon, and I actually played a role in the opening of that store Instead of cutting the grand opening ribbon with scissors, I shot it with an arrow, and it was just a monumental thing. I mean, everybody here in town was talking about, hey, are you going to go to Cabela's? Can you believe Cabela's is coming here to Springfield, Oregon? So I know what a staple those giants in the industry are, and it's actually it's one of the first places people go when they're looking to get geared up to, be, to become a hunter is they go to Cabela's and buy everything they need. So I'm very excited that we've partnered together and we can help open up those outdoor and hunting opportunities to listeners of this podcast. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glasses, all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. Um, so in regard to your, your climbing or vertical gain, did you say something the other day about 500,000 feet of gain a year? Is that your goal? Or what, what do you try to do? I don't, I don't have like, um, like a goal per se of like mileage or elevation I'm trying to get every year, but it comes out to about that. Mm -hmm. It's about a half, yeah, half mil. Hmm. I think I've done 600, like almost 700,000. When you do the 200, all of a sudden that mileage yeah. changes and then, cause that's over a weekend or a week and that, that impacts it quite a bit. People don't realize that, but, um, yeah, it's usually around a half. I've gone up and down since we moved to Harrisburg, it dropped because hmm. when I lived, you know, six miles or eight miles from Pisgah, it was a lot easier to get in, get, yeah. get over there. But, um, but I try to make it work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you're on Strava. So everybody's always looking at that. How, how does, what, what do some of those guys do? Is that, is that a big year for everybody? 500,000 or, um, the guys that I want to run with. Yeah. That's, I'm pretty average. Hmm. You know, there's, there's guys that are doing, you know, 130, 140 mile weeks with 30,000 feet of gain. I mean, they probably don't work as much as I do. Yeah. And they probably don't travel for work like I do. But uh, 
you know, they, they're, they're crushing it, you know? And I, and I see those guys like that did that red mountain 55 K last weekend. And, mm-hmm. um, this, the girl, the, the lead girl, I watched her bright Brooks Jersey for three and a half hours catching me every climb. I look back, oh, gosh, she's still coming. <laughs> and, you know, and then of course we get done. She beats me. We're two miles from the fish. I'm standing in the middle of the road. My hamstring's locked up. Oh man. I'm just looking at the sky. She goes, you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I know <laughs> it, it's going to blow it really hurt if I try to push it. So she pulls me, but she won JFK 50 miler. Mm, that's a fast one too. She's legit. Yeah. So in those people who are beating me, they're putting in a lot of miles. Right. And that's in my mind, that's the difference. Yeah. They're doing more. I know. Isn't that, that's the, that's a cold, hard facts. I mean, talent is one thing, but usually, I mean, everybody who's doing that is talented. So who's putting in more work essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. Who can put in the most work and recover the best. Yeah. And their body holds up because yep. there's guys who, I mean, there's guys who put in 200 mile weeks and their bodies just don't hold up to it. No, that's yeah. To get to it, ta- it's taken me a year. I always joke. I say it's taken me a year running to add an additional 10, right? Just 10 miles to the week. Mm. So if I've been running for, you know, 60, six years, you know, you're at 60 miles to get to seven, to get comfortably to 70 miles. It's mm-hmm. going to take me another year running. Right. That's how I've get kinda, your body built up. For yeah. That. Yeah. You just don't go, you can go do it once or twice, but you'll be broke. Yeah. I know because I, you know, you know as well as I do to get a hundred mile week, it's 14 miles a day. Yep. You know, and so that's fine. You can get 14 miles a day. You can get a weekend. You can get your hundred mile week, but what are you going to do the next week? Yep. And the next week. Yeah. That's like I raced last weekend. I was like this weekend, this week I would have loved to lay low, but Mm -hmm. that's not the deal. No. I mean, you got to build on it because as you know, with those two hundreds, most that race you're beat up. You know, I mean, say, say a 30 mile run, a 50 K is a test when you first start. So you do a 200 mile race, you got 170 miles after that 50 K. Well, I joke and say everything after 10 is far. Yeah, it is. I've also said that everything after 10 ain't nothing changing. <laughs> it's not going to get any better than it is in that moment. Right. I mean, if you're 60 hours or 80, I mean, at Moab, mm-hmm. it no, when you and I did it, it's like at no point are you going to feel ever any better than you did at that first 10. Oh man, that was a, that was a rough race. That, that was your first 200. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was my, after we lost Donovan, that was what I decided to do was do that with you. Yeah, what, that was. So tell me about Donovan. Um, well, um, which part? I guess. Uh, well, um, I just want to, I mean, you said after Donovan. So um, just to give context to that, uh, Donovan, um, so he was your wife's son. Yep. And uh, you were his stepdad. Yep. And uh, he got in a car wreck. Yep. Um, yeah. I. Uh, yeah, he'd been in a car accident. I remember that day playing his day. It was it was, uh, I had a dentist appointment at 7, 7 a.m., which is crazy early. And I, I had saw it on the news, um, saw the pickup and thought, dumb kids, you know, driving too fast, mm-hmm. drinking and driving. And you didn't know it was him at that time. No, no. Um, and then I was driving to the dentist appointment. My, my, my phone rang and it was Pamela, <clears throat> my wife sobbing. And then I, actually I came to your house. That was the first place I came. I didn't even go home. Mm-hmm. Um, I had known what happened, but I needed to tell somebody. Um, so I told you, um, 
and Donovan, I had came into his life. I, he was about he was about ten, so that's a that's a tough age for a stepdad to try to to come yeah. into a situation. Um, and we had our bumps in the road, and and uh, he'd straightened straightened himself out, uh, and then was killed in a car accident. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was twenty one. Um, yeah, young kid, whole life ahead of him, and just had he made some bad choices and. But had you know, it's like all of us. We all grow mm-hmm. up at a different rate. I feel like, and um, you know, it takes a little while for some of us to get traction and get some direction. And he had he had got there, and then then he got killed. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't judge anybody. I could easily have had the same fate. You know, I mean, like you said, we all make mistakes. Yeah. Sometimes some of us get, I guess, lucky. You could say, and you don't have to pay the ultimate sacrifice like he did from those mistakes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you wish you could, you wish as a young man, you would know what type of impact your decisions make, but you don't. You don't. And uh, I know you and Pam losing Donovan, <clears throat> I can't, I mean, I, I don't know because I can't imagine what it, what it feels like, but I just know that's been very painful and you've done an amazing job <clears throat> trying to honor him. I know... Um, a few times together, you spread his ashes on some of these trips we've done and these races we've done and, uh, you know, keeping that memory alive and yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I know it's greatly impacted you, but I, I, I wanted, you know, you mentioned Don, that was your Moab was your first one after Donovan. And so I just wanted just the listeners to know what that reference entailed. And also it's, it's really had an impact on who you are. It feels like to me from the outside in, I mean, you can give, you can explain that better, but, um, yeah. Well, watching your family suffers hard. And for me, that was, that was probably the biggest pieces of it. Seeing how, um, someone that acted like I did, mm-hmm. um, impacted their family when they're gone. Um, and then seeing my family and seeing Pamela from, laying on the couch, you know, sobbing herself to sleep because she didn't know where he was to holding his urine of ashes every night. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was a year for holding his ashes at night and falling asleep on the couch, right? And seeing how that impacts your family, you know, you, you don't have any choice but then to do better, right? And to be the best version of yourself. And uh, all those, you know, trials and tribulations and during that same time we were forced to move, lost my job after 20 years, all those are really good reasons that probably everybody else would use to drink mm-hmm. right? or do something they really shouldn't. But I had running. People are encouraging me to do it. People push you to do it. So it's like I'm, I was going to engulf myself in that and go bigger and go farther and go faster. And that's what started to drive that was doing Moab with you and then being like, I really, I want to do this. I want to do it fast and I want to do it faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you can't really blame anybody for wanting to numb that pain. And that's where people turn to drugs and alcohol is like, because it hurts so bad. You just don't want to hurt. You don't, you're tired, you're tired of hurting. And, um, it doesn't, that doesn't change any the pain. It just kind of delays it. You know, I mean, the drinking, it's just like, I think how you've done it, dealing with it and being, um, you know, the mounds are real the emotions aren't going anywhere. It's actually more time to think, you know, when you're out there. So I think it's more of a healthy way to, to deal with heartbreak in some ways because you're forced to deal with it, not forced to numb it. 
Yeah, you come out pretty focused after those. At least I do. You know, mm-hmm. those first few weeks after those big events, usually I I uh, have a lot of clarity. You know, you have a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. You know, you've processed your entire life in the first twelve hours, and those you can do that in a fifty miler. I know, but to do it for sixty or eighty, yep. A lot of yeah. hope in tomorrow and regret in yesterday, right? It's yeah. Like, cra- yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, <clears throat> on those, for me, <clears throat> when I do those big races, usually during the race, I'm thinking I should have done more, as you kind of mentioned. And after the race, I'm like, I if I would have done this, I would have done that. If I, Why didn't I push harder there? Do you have those ty- same type of thoughts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard to... Um, yeah, it, it's hard in the moment when, when you train all the time and if you're not simulating it and then when you're in the moment to, to say this is okay, you know, it's okay to feel this bad because mm-hmm. you don't want to, right? You just want to walk or quit or, you know, find reasons. But, you know, looking back on them, um, yeah, usually I wish I was done more. Mm-hmm. I did more focus somewhere else or had done something a little bit differently. Um. But I've gotten a lot better at that than, you know, doing the, doing Tahoe as fast as I did. I don't know what I would have done any different. Okay. Those was like, I was tapped. That was, yeah. that was my, that was the best I got. <laughs> Those were great, great runs to get third at that race too. And also it, it reminded me also, I was thinking back on Donovan, um, the pain in a race, that's going to, that's going to ease, that's going to go away, you know? And so it kind of, I know, you know, when I think about losing my dad or, or when Roy died, it's like this pain that I'm dealing with is nothing compared to what they felt in that moment they died. That, that's life-changing pain. And not only for them, but for everybody who's left. And just death is so permanent. So it's like I try to give context when I'm even running Pisgah, if I'm being, you know, kind of a pussy, whatever. I'm just like, what am I doing? What is this is I'm going to be home. Or even in, I'll be home later today, or even in a 200 mile race, it's like, okay, that's a few days out of your life. It's so temporary. It's temporary. And it's like, it's really hard to give context to that, but it's, it's true if we can. And then I've tried to also, it sounds easy, but enjoy it, enjoy the moment. And I I think back to when you pace me at Bighorn or not Bighorn, um, uh, Bigfoot, we were about what, 130 miles in, middle of the night. I don't know what time it was, one or two in the morning. I think it was raining and pitch black, dark, rough country. And we stopped for a second, headlamps. And, you know, I said something like, this is what it's all about, right? How lucky are we to be right here and feel like this? And, you know, if you can have that mindset, it's just like you have to earn what it feels like to be 130 miles into a race, and still have, it's just like, that's a special place that most people would never want to get to. And we were there. And so it's, I think it's important to enjoy how, what a sacrifice it took to be there. Yeah. And do you remember that? Oh yeah. 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 That was, man, that was the first. That our, was, was that the Creek? Uh, it seems like we were just on like, I don't know. We we're kind of going across a flat. I can't remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah, no. The other one was the other night in the creek, mm-hmm. and we were trying to sleep in the middle of the trail, and people were passing us. You were getting so mad. <laughs> yeah. oh, that was that was. I went out way too fast in that race, and I was crushing everybody. I was like, I don't even know how many. They, I think they said hours ahead at mile forty, which isn't good. 
if you're no, hours ahead, because you come across, you go around, you kind of skirt around Mount St. Helens, all exposed and uh, so hot and so dry. And if you're pushing hard there and it's like, you don't really need to drink that much at that early in the race. So you get, I got so dried out. Then I got to 40 and they said, oh yeah, you're way ahead. And I was just like, oh my God, that's terrible. And then definitely hit the wall. Yeah. But that was like uh, the early years of the two hundreds. Nobody yeah. knew. Right. Nobody, nobody, people didn't know how to sleep and do all the things they do now. That was, you tough. were just going to crush it and win. That was tough. That was tough. Um, but what an experience. And we were able to share that one. And that was, how far did you run in that one? Did you do a hundred? hundred and, uh. 156 because mm. remember i that was a week like the week uh, before i did waldo 100k and mm. uh it was dirt i'd gotten to 100 yeah you got to 100 and i was like okay i'm out i'd gone like 60 miles yeah yeah because i picked you up at 40 something okay and uh and then like the almost last section i didn't do with you the very last i did but yeah anyways um, I remember we got there and I'm taking my shoes off and you're like kind of resting and just kind of regrouping, I should say. And, uh, you're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm out, man. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to run anywhere. You're like, whatever. And I was like, what? I mean, really? Like I'm supposed to be running like this whole thing. And that was the furthest I had ever ran. And it was just like, I'm doing this. I mean, we're doing it. We were trashed. We were, oh remember God. how bad our, our ankles hurt from walking that dirt bike. Oh, that was a rough race miserable yeah but it's like it goes to show that no matter how miserable you are how bad you hurt towards the end i mean i was actually running good yeah like sixes on the road yeah that you were flying yeah and so if you can if you can like remember that and go yeah this is terrible right now but i know i've been here before where i didn't think i could go anywhere and then i was running hard at the end yeah i just got to get through this little that's like that's the key to those long races yeah just getting through those low spots you remember your poles, your pole when you were run, when we were running down the road? Did I break them? Yeah, you made me go back and look for them. <laughs> so Trace, you could take them to REI and return them. Yeah. <laughs> I could never find it. I don't know what ha what happened. Well, when you start running, it's like it got ahead of you and it hit the ground and you kicked it. Oh, and so when it hits and it like feels like it breaks your foot, right? You stop you're like stupid. Threw it yeah. off in the brush. And we just kept running. It's like oh, I'll come back. Never, never found. <laughs> never it. found them. No. But what a learning experience. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was an eye-opener. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, yeah, then it was, uh, I had been terrified of 100. You know, I had tried to do 100, but I had never done, you know, a cumulative mile 140 or some miles we did that week. Yeah. Or that weekend. And um, yeah, just it was a good perspective. You know, you, you learn a lot being with somebody out there for that long. And being out there with somebody you know and that you trust, it makes it a lot easier, right, right. To, to follow along. And then what was your first 200? Moab then? Yeah. That was the mo Okay, yeah. yeah. And I was supposed to pace you there. And we only had one crew guy. Yeah. Remember? And you were like, well, you're going to be my crew. And I'm like, well, yeah. But I decided to run it the week before. <laughs> right. And yeah. you're like, well, you said you're going to do it. So <laughs> I did my best. Yeah. Oh. And we had that. Yeah, the camera guy that was, oh, I can't remember his name. A Mark? What yeah, yeah, Mark. Mark Womack from Sub yep. 7. Yep. Yeah. He was dying. Yeah. He worked hard. He did good though. He did. But it was just us. We got some good foot. <laughs> that was, oh my God, that was so hard. That started off like hot as hell. I, I've i never been so thirsty to start off a race. We were sitting under that one tree by that watering hole and yeah. we couldn't do it. It, it was, was so, so dirty like, and muddy. You're like, I'm drinking stuff in Africa and I'm not drinking this. 
<laughs> it was bad, but we were so dried out. Oh, that was terrible. It was miserable. It was terrible. Then uh, um, I still feel bad that whatever night it was, we were going to try to lay down. And I don't know what. You get pretty, everybody gets cranky. And I was like so burnt out. You were burnt out. And so, so oh, it's like kind of, you were upset. What, what happened there? That was going into the LaSalle's. Remember yeah. it was like, it was like nine degrees. Was how cold it was when we were on the highway. Mm-hmm. And then we climbed up on that, kind of getting up on a, like a mesa and it started getting warm. Yeah. And you were feeling good and it was heading towards morning and I was, I was a wreck. Yeah. I'm not a good morning person. <laughs> I think I threw my pole then. Did you? Isn't that what I did? I, I threw my pole and you're like... Something like that, yeah. Whatever, quit being a pussy or something. You took off. Yeah. And left me. Yeah, I was like, to me, and now I look back and I'm like, God dang, why wasn't I more... So, but to me, I'm like, I'm struggling so bad myself. Yeah. I can't really... I don't have no, you energy. Right too. You're like, you're the pacer. I mean, like, who am I to bitch? I mean, I should be, yeah, like the enthusiastic one that knows where we're going. And I had no idea. And I never do. Like how many of those races we've done? You're like, how far do we have? And I'm like, I don't know, 2015. Yeah. You're like, you're always wrong. <laughs> it's always wrong. <laughs> Yesterday, Greg tells me how far is it to the finish? I'm like two. It was four. Yeah. Well, uh, and you know how, when you're running a race and people are be like, okay, almost there, only a mile left. And if they're wrong, you're so pissed at that person. You're like, I'm coming back for you. Yeah. Know the fucking race. (laughs) What are you talking about a mile left? Cause you're, you're like, when you're done mentally, you're like, you, they said a mile, I'm in a mile. I don't see the finish line. What is going on? Yep. And it's like, you like your patience for knowing exactly. But like that night, I remember, I, I don't know how far we were into the race that time. You were having a rough spot. I was just like, I don't have energy for this. So I took off and I thought, well, that's a buck 30, 130 is where it is. I think was that or what? Oh yeah. my God. So <laughs> brutal and so cold. Holy shit. But, uh, so I took off and I thought, well, sometimes in those races, I mean, you see people again or whatever. And it's just like, I don't, did we, did we see each other again? At the top of going to pole Creek, we were like 9,000 feet in the aid station. Remember I came up, it was like yeah. a war zone. You were laying there. Oh my You're God. like, oh my feet are right. so bad. Mm-hmm. So we had to regroup, yeah. get you changed up. And then we took off and that was, yeah, that was the, oh, that was a whole nother, those races are crazy. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. That was the only time I've ever actually like, uh, hallucinated or remember what I couldn't read Nathan on the back of your pack. <laughs> yes, that's right. And I kept hearing women's voices. Remember I'm like, Oh, I can hear him in the aid station. You're like, you don't hear shit. <laughs> like, no, I really I do. I didn't. Do you remember that aid station? I can't remember which one it was, but it was down in the bottom and it was so cold down there, but that's where people were sleeping. And I, did we try to lay down there? Was that at 160 or something? Or no, maybe not 160. That is where we slept. Is that, that was where, the only time that we really actually laid down. Right. Because yeah. we only slept for like two hours that whole time for three days. Yeah. We had done like little cat naps. Did they, there's like little cabins or what was there? There was a, like a canvas little tents. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they had little wool blankets and heaters. Yes. We slept there for a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, yeah. That's like 180, 190. Because remember we were on the gravel road and you and I had said, once you get to 200, I said, I'm not helping you anymore. Yeah. In my mind, I was going to beat you, but <laughs> never happened. You dropped me. It was right after that we were oh. running on. I had my a big old pack on, and the, 
you're on the gravel road and I'd marked a spot. I could see the corner and I'm like, mm. okay, this is going to tell me how far, how fast he's going. And you were doing like seven thirties and I was doing like a 12 minute mile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The math wasn't, wasn't good. That I started to feel good towards the end again. Like, and that, that was like, if you can kind of open up and for me and get a pace going, just like at the end of Bigfoot, if I can get, okay, this is what I do. I'm good here. Because you know how it is when you're climbing, it's like you can, in your head, you're like, well, everybody's going slow now anyway. I don't need to go fast. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're going down here, you're like, what? Well, if I bomb down this, I'm going to blow out my quads. I need to be smart. But when it's flat, to me, I'm like, okay, this is what I do. I got to start grinding. If I can't open up right now, I'm never going to. And so it's like, to me in my head, like on that one, that was like a kind of a slightly downhill gravel road, wasn't it? Yep. And I was like, okay, it's on. And, uh, yeah, but so beat up by that time. I ran in, ran into the ditch face first. <laughs> I was, I guess I was asleep. Oh, I came up, I looked around, there's two guys standing there just laughing. They're like, we were wondering what you're doing. I yeah. just straight off the road. Oh, man. Face plant. So tired. That was a rough, that's a rough race to all those two hundreds. Sleep deprivation. Yeah. That's real, real stuff. But then so after that, then you've learned, and now with those third places at two consecutive Tahoes, do you feel like you got a pretty good idea how to run a 200 or are you just tougher? Uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a method to it. And, yeah. it's, and that's helped me through all the distances mm -hmm. and training mostly things that I thought hurt, you know, kind of learning, you know, what they feel like an hour and a half, two hours later when an injury might really be, um, you'd learn a lot about your body when you're running 200 miles. Right. So, yeah, no, there's definitely a method and it's, um, yeah, but it's so far and it's so hard to recover from, Yeah, you know, maybe if I was younger, you know, if I was 35 or 40, then it might be different, but it's, it's months till I feel after I did uh, Cocodona cause Cocodona was like three weeks before I decided to do it. And it, that was, I was not in shape and it, and Cocodona is 250 miles. Yeah. And it's in May. So it's not like at the end in the summer, it's right? Like, it's been winter mm -hmm. or spring. So that so one, your body's not really used to the heat is what you're saying. Yeah. That and the mileage, I just usually am not running that. And so that was, that was a good test of what I thought I was going to need to do, uh, to do it. But it's, it was, yeah, it, it played out really well. I think I it was like maybe 11th or 12th there. Were you, I thought you were ninth. Okay, I'm not really good at my finish time. Oh. I've never won. So yeah, I'm always no, like, no, I know. But I mean, okay. make no mistake. I, I want to make this clear because we've talked about like times where you didn't do good or I beat you or whatever. It's like now you are way better than me. You're, I mean, you're finishing up there with like the elite runners. So Taylor has, his journey has been amazing because he started off just like everybody kind of struggling, wondering why you're doing it, then you kind of have a purpose to why you're doing it. Then you're running for a bigger purpose. You know, maybe it's, you know, to be sober, maybe it's to honor, um, um, honor, uh, people we've lost. Maybe, you know, Donovan, maybe it's uh, for different reasons, but now for whatever reason, you're like an elite runner and I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. So, uh, we run together. Sometimes we race together sometimes, but you are way better than me. So I just want to make that clear. And I'm, I'm very impressed with how good you are at this. And it, it's been awesome to watch, but I think you got ninth at Coca-Dona. Okay. I'm not, not mistaken. I'll say I'm really surprised. 
I, I, I look back at those and I like, I get on ultra sign up and look at my finishes. So I'm like, man, I had a freaking run. Yeah. And like last year was a great run for me. I mean, I had totally fell apart in June, but then all my races were second, thirds. And I was doing, you know, I'd definitely probably get my age group in those. Um, or well, around like, here, you win all these races, yeah. don't you? Yeah, like, unless, like, there's, a, I got, you know, my arch nemesis, Nate Jacqua. He, oh, he's, he's shows, tough. He's such a beast. And he's the one tough. time I had him beat, I stopped to tie my shoe a mile from the finish. <laughs> he ran past me laughing. Oh, uh, but I was shotgun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I've owned that one a few times. You yeah. Know? And you've uh, won Frozen Trail here. Yep, a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I say, like, locally, you're tough to beat. You're a beast. Now you start getting in those big races and yeah, it's, it's hard. Those yeah. they're pros. Yeah. Those you guys know, are good at it. You have a full-time job and they're usually younger. Yeah, definitely. And you're uh, so I'm 55, you're 45 now. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, how do you feel physically? Like, um, do you feel like you were better when you were younger or you're the best you've ever been right now? Oh yeah. No, I could, I crush my old self. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely, yeah. My way better shape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like I think how I, how I should have felt when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. Feel good. Yeah. I, mean, I got aches and pains. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got a list of things that need fixed. Um, you know, someday those are going to prevent me from doing more. Um, uh, but yeah, that's just part of the deal. I'm not going to like hang out my hat because my knee swells up every now and then I'm going to want to run some more. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you've been doing a great job. Um, as far as diet, you've went from keto to non. What are you doing right now for your body? Uh, I'm on the I'm on the calorie king kick right now. Calories is calories. Um, Whatever it is, carbs. Yeah, I did two fat. Year, two years of high fat, low carb. I mean, I was checking my blood every morning, make sure I was in ketosis and that I was following the protocol and not not dirty keto. Or I think now it's probably a lot easier to buy stuff that says keto. Mm-hmm. But this was five, six years ago, um, when, when at first it kind of started, so it was different, the resources weren't there. So you were forced to eat a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found a lot of success in that. Um, I mean, I ran, uh, SOB hundred K I'd had a really good time there and I, I never ate mm-hmm. I, I drank water and took some, took in salt. Wow. And I felt good. Um, and what was your time in that 62 miles? I think I was like, is it nine? It was, I think it was like 10, 20 or okay. something like that. I think yeah. it was like fifth or sixth. Yeah, that's you a know, good 100K. Maybe better. I don't, I, I, like I said, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to remember my marathon best time over here and I couldn't remember what it was. Really? Yeah. So I just, yeah. It's, I think it was, was it Echo? Or that, isn't there a marathon over there you did? Columbia River Powers. Yeah. Yeah. The year I, was, I thought I won, someone else did. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think I went like, it was, must have been like 258 if I snuck in just under three. Under three. It was a week after the Bear 100. And okay. I, and I walked an entire mile. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to go 240 someday. And yeah. I, I couldn't ever bring myself to try again. <laughs> God, those those road marathons when you're so pushing hard. like that. You're sprinting. I know. Go for a six-minute mile for that long? That's, yeah. You did, you did Eugene this last year your fastest, didn't you? Uh, no. No, not my fastest. Okay. Well, it was probably good. No, it, it was uh, two... 54. Yeah. Something like that. Because I've never beat yours. Yeah. Yours is 251? 250. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where was that? New York. Oh, yeah. Nice. And then that Boston there was 250 also. So I've never, 
probably that was the best chance, but I wanted to kind of stay around Lance, but I think yeah. that was the best chance I ever had to get in the two forties. And I just, I didn't push like I could have because I wanted to be at the finish with him. But, uh, yeah, breaking that two fifty tough. Yeah. That was a good one. We were all watching on TV. I remember tracing everybody trying to message each other. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, that was 250. That's legit. Super yeah. legit. I mean, it's not 240, though. <laughs> It'd be nice to get in the 240 someday. Yeah. I might have seen those days come and gone. Uh, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Yeah. That with the last Eugene one was when Truett wanted to, to make Boston. So he had to beat three hours. Okay. And uh, yeah, then I was like, okay, he needs to break three hours and he's not beating me. So <laughs> it was that was like my motivation to to uh, push there, but yeah, flat marathons are rough. Um, so this year, what, what's your plans for this year for your races? I have the Canyons hundred miler next month, mm. uh, the end of April. Where's so, that? Um, Auburn, California. Oh, so, so Western States. It's on that trail. Yeah. Yeah. And it's supposed to do like 24,000 feet of climbing and it gets me nuggets for UTMB. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can get the nuggets to be able to put in for the lottery, um, What's the nuggets? Is that like a qualifying thing? Yeah, you have to have you have to have a nugget. I think is what it's called, or a stone. Maybe mm-hmm. I made up the nugget part. Okay, so it sounds cooler. Um, yeah, you have to have a stone to be able to put in for the lottery. Oh, so the bigger race you do, like a hundred, you get eight stones. Oh, I see. So, um, and there's some age group win stuff there that could be appealing. I think mm. um, I don't know what that really means. It it could help my chances in the UTMB, and I'm, I feel pretty fit. So. April race and then um, the end of July is Crazy Mountain. Crazy Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to race Nate, my arch nemesis. But is he going to do that too? Yep. But I've never done 100 with him, so I'll crush him. <laughs> Think so? I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to tell him that so. That sounded pretty confident. Uh, you said well, you're, I'm going to crush him. That's the plan. Yeah. I mean, hey, you got to believe in yourself, right? Yep. So that, that race, you paced me at that race last year. Yeah. And uh, you ran the back end with me yep from 40 some to 100 right 47 to 100 yeah something like that it was like yeah or oh you ran like something you ran like 30 some miles yeah it was like 35 miles or something and then uh mike ran the other 20 some miles with me yeah yeah god that race was rough that race is rough it's like that i can't remember so i i think the first the first half must be the hardest right yeah, that's that where all the climbs in. That's when you're in the mountains, more so than the back half when it was like we're running through a grass meadow. A million degrees. It was it that was, was the, hot that day. And the road at the yeah, it was pretty miserable. Yeah, but oh yeah, that's now I remember the pictures where we're pointing up at the at where we had to go. And there's no through trail. The, through the grass. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough race, dude. Yeah. First year they ever had it was last year. And I think only one person broke twenty four hours. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. My goal was 30 hours. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a hard one because I had all that climbing and it's the first time they've ever done this pretty rugged country. I was thinking, you know, if you get under 30 hours, that's a good run. And then I couldn't even do that. Yeah. Just finishing those though. I mean, it, it never, <laughs> it never matters how fast you do it. It's, you know, it's just that you get it done. Yeah. You know, I think that's what we talked about. You know, that's all part of the deal. It's you get what you put into it, you know, they're hard. That one too. Also, I had messed up on my salt 
and I wasn't taking enough salt in. So my body was so screwed up. You were all jacked up. Oh my God. I've never had my arms swell and legs swell. And it's like, I, I don't know what I did to my body. I was also trying the keto thing. Yeah. So I had a lot of issues in that race. Yeah. And we were laughing because all of us who were with you were like, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. And you're like, this isn't good. And we're like, it'll go away. Yo, man. <laughs> but it hurts. That was rough. Yeah. Yeah. But especially when your body starts doing weird stuff, that's what gets scary. Yeah. Because yeah. especially if you've never experienced it, it's yeah. like, you know, is this my liver failing or because trust me, well, we both said those races that sometimes we wish that something really bad would happen. Yeah. At Bigfoot, we were trying, we were hoping a mountain lion would attack one of us. <laughs> And no. then we, we could quit. But then we're like, well, then I'd feel like I'd have to go on in your memory. Right? Yeah. Well, then that's not going to work. Yeah. It'd have to kill both of us. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be tough. Yeah. I remember uh, in, in Montana at, at the uh, Crazy Mountains, man, there was, I ran with some guys. Uh, God, that, that one kid, he's actually really good. Now I can't remember his name, but he's good. He does kind of, younger kid doing crazy stuff but also ran with this kid from texas and i thought he was doing so good he's definitely going to finish and then he ended up dropping it's like you see these super tough people that look so good and then i don't know what happens but gets overwhelming those yeah. races yeah. um so much ups and downs in 100 even yeah i've quit you know i quit at cascade crest that was a bucket list race i really really wanted to do and i dropped at 50 and slept for like eight hours and woke up and went i'd still have 13 hours to do the last 50 oh and i why did i drop why didn't i just sleep and i was going too fast got ahead right. of myself but then in the end that was the first big that was the first time i really dropped it i was like i should have just i Pushed knew through. i knew better mm -hmm. i knew better what and that's that was kind of a yeah shifting point to kind of focus and some training right it's like going out too hard and trying to win isn't isn't the point isn't smart right so yeah. Um, I don't know. You can learn a lot in those races. I, I did want to uh, touch on, you know, your dad, Greg, my stepdad, who, you know, people who've read my book and heard me talk, you know, I've had quite a history. Uh, you know, Greg, when I was young, he was like, couldn't stand him. And it's just like, you know, he wasn't my dad. He was drinking this whole thing. And I was like probably the worst kid ever to try to be a stepdad to. And now... I see Greg now and it's like a totally different person, but your, your guys' relationship, I, I'm not jealous, but I'm happy. I'm happy you, you have that, a dad that you can share so much with. So I'm not jealous at all. Um, but it is, it's amazing to see how, well, I knew he's tough because I was always scared how tough he was. He was like, you know, this guy who drove a roller every day out in the sun, just come back, just, you know, smoking cigarettes, <laughs> the meanest person I've ever been around. It felt like, and then I was like in the crosshairs. Um, but now I see him and he's saving people's lives. He's out running, doing hundred mile races. He just did what a 50 K yesterday. Yep. And save somebody out of a burning, burning building last week. Yeah. Tell me about Greg. Well, uh, man, I'll tell you what, kids in a blended family, that's a hard thing. Yes. Donovan, uh, same, you know, very, very similar. And it's really hard. Like we, you had made a comment before, a comment before about having to go through things ourselves and not realizing the impact that we have, but trying to raise a son and watching, uh, my dad, you know, I remember him getting, uh, football tickets to a duck game on the 50 yard line. 
hey, you want to go? No way. I wasn't going to go with him. He with was, Greg? Yeah, because he was drunk and he was goofy. And I was at that age like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with that guy. Yeah. But, you know, he sobered up and that's the version that I ended up getting, mm-hmm. right? It was this sober guy who's trying to make up for a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you and Pete had moved on and um, he he went out of his way to try to fix, you know, whatever he thought he'd screwed up with me. And um, he and I are, man, we're best friends, um, yeah. you know, but it wasn't always that way, right? right. You know, growing up, you still, your dad still sucks. You still know way more than him. You're still going to challenge him through and through, but you know, yesterday there he is, hands on his knees at mile 27, coming up a sand dune, four miles of sand on the Oregon coast, hands on his knees, and he's groaning, and I yell, this is what you get for grounding me all those times. And I can laugh about that. I mean, how fuck, how lucky am I? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's having him now and uh, seeing myself in him, mm-hmm. you know, a lot. You know, that times it drives me nuts, but then I realize, you know, how to navigate it, right? right. Uh, I've grown up a lot, and... And he has to, and yeah, he's, he's a beast. He's just, he's just funny, but he's, he's got the, yeah, those guys were all raised by ranchers and guys raised to go to war, Mm -hmm. right? So their mentality and the way they apply pressure is very different than what, how we do. And, you know, that's coming back from Vietnam and him being an alcoholic. That's, you know, he says running's changed his life and has given him perspective in his life. He never had before. Mm -hmm. So that's. It's 50, 60 years later. I mean, he's I 75. 75. Yeah, in July, he'll be 75. And out there doing 50Ks. In seven hours. God, I know. So I always knew he was tough. I mean, like I said, he had uh, that upbringing over there in Echo, Oregon, growing up on a ranch. Doesn't get any harder than being shipped off to Vietnam, um, coming back and working construction his whole freaking life. It's, uh, I don't know. Is there, that's about as hard as it gets, you know, that's a lot to deal with. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, in some ways, as you know, growing up, I, I hated him, but in some ways, you know, and I think, uh, mom told me this, that he, maybe he was trying to prepare you and maybe he did make me tougher. Maybe he did. It, it felt, it felt <laughs> I didn't see any positives at that time and I couldn't wait to get out of there, which is why I moved out. One of the big, well, I had a girlfriend too. So maybe that was an excuse, but, um, was a big reason why I left when I was 17. But, uh, you know, now I'm so thankful for him. I see him and it's, it's not a negative when I see him. It's a, my feeling is a positive and I'm happy to see him. And it took a long time for that, but and now, you know, when I see what he did last week and just how, uh, you know, helping that woman out of that burning building, I just have a sense of pride and I'm very proud of him. And I'm, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. It's just this life deals us crazy hands sometimes. And I'm very thankful for him. And, you know, if it wasn't for him, there'd be no you and uh, there'd be no Megan and I'm thankful for what he's given my mom too, because ha- a, a woman having to f- have two young kids and find somebody who would take that in, as you know, you know, with Pam, um, with Donovan, um, it's not easy. That's a lot. That's a lot for somebody to come in and take the responsibility for. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunity to say this ain't for me. Right. 
that's the part that, you know, blended families are nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, uh, you know, it's, it's textbook, you know, when you look back on some of it, it's like, so here, here's the, the older stepbrother who's successful and hardworking, right. Charismatic. And, and then Pete, you know, is having babies when he's a kid. And then mm-hmm. there's me, who's a black sheep dipshit growing up. And then Megan goes to U of O and gets her, I don't know if it's, I don't know what her degree is. Yet. I don't even want to say, but smarter than all of us. Right. For so sure. It's like, you know, looking back on it, I just, yeah, blended families are just crazy. And, and now Pamela and I have in Paxton, it's like, um, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. The things you can say to your own kids, <clears throat> you can never say to a stepkid. Yeah. You know? And, um, but you know, it's, it's, I learned from you and him, you know, it's that, um, just plugging along, right? Keep your head down, keep grinding, keep hammering, right? It's, uh, it's a mentality. And I, and I think we both got that from him and uh, just that hard work piece. But, but mom's a beast too. Yeah. All those years of jazzercise. Oh my gosh, I know. Hours and hours. No, she was, uh, and then also it made it a little bit tough because she was like a super hot mom back then. So like the, like the kids you go to school with, they're always like talking about the hot mom think they're called milfs these days but uh yeah she was like in shape uh, like had a like big smile great personality um but yeah she she worked her butt off too yeah and uh i mean she was like the only thing i don't know i she was like the most positive thing in my life for sure and, and a tough tough um it was hard for her because I would always try to make it like you have to choose between me or Greg, you know, because I'm like, it, how, and that's a no win situation. She needs a husband. It's hard. It's amazing to me seeing kids who have step parents, like stepdads, and that mm-hmm. they're, they're, they all seem cool and happy. Mm-hmm. It's almost weird to me because I've, I've seen it. I've, I've raised, you know, kids in that situation. And man, it's hard. It's hard. I can't yeah. imagine being the kid on the other side of it after raising a boy, a son doing that, um, and, and just listening to your experience and being part of that, you know, it's to see this guy come in to take your mom. It's like, it's, yeah. it's mind blowing. Yeah. It's super hard, super hard for a kid to process and to get them just to be okay with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, what, what do you remember? So Pete was closer to you in age. Did you, did you have a different relationship with Pete growing up? Because Pete's my younger brother, or you're bo- all, everybody's my younger brother and sister. But uh, he was closer in age to you. Did you guys have more of a connection? Um, no, it was very similar to to your and I's. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, he was he was having kids. He was having, he had a big kid. I know, and he had moved out super early. You know, maybe they lived next door, but he wasn't living at home, right? <laughs> um, yeah, he had a kid in high school. Yeah, and I. And great athlete. I mean, I, I was never as good as an athlete as he was, but he had to deal with a lot because he had Ashley when he was in high school. Yeah. So yeah, no, he was he was growing up. I mean, it was yeah. I mean, not a ton. Yeah, you were kind of on your own a little bit, but with Megan, right? Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, there's, that gap was big enough, and you guys had moved on, and yeah, it was Megan and I, and being raised by Greg, you know, because. <laughs> During the winters, he was never working. Yeah. Right? Doing road construction. And yeah, it was, yeah, interesting. Lots but, of top ROM and spam. You know, it's, I, I, I think about it now as a parent and it's just, 
I know the times are different, but it's, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I can't blame him too much because uh, when I had to be in charge of, of feeding my kids, you know, it'd be either waffles or chili. Yeah. So Greg actually did used to make some weird casserole thing with mashed potatoes and hamburger. And do you remember that? Oh, yeah. With the cheese. Cheese. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he actually, Tater tots. Yeah, he actually could do something. I mean, as far as cooking goes. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, when did he get sober as far as when you were growing up? Was it after you got out of high school? No, I was 13. 13, 13, okay. Yeah, okay. same age as Paxton is right now. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he wrecked his pickup in the driveway. (laughs) God. And he came in, I remember looking over his shoulder, wondering what was going on, and I remember I could see it plain as day. He'd walked away, and it was Serenity Lane, Mm -hmm. and I knew what it was from commercials on TV, right? right. So, yeah, that was his, that was the start of his journey. Oh. Through... Thanksgiving and Christmas, mm. he was in rehab. Really? Yeah. I remember he, he got to come home so we could go get a Christmas tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, what a positive, ex- I mean, negative during and that whole thing, but life-changing. It's just like you wish everybody who struggles with alcohol, which is a ton of people, could see. I mean, he's a different person now than what, what he was growing up. And it's like a whole different, it's like, yeah, it's a different existence. Yeah. Yeah. And more positive, inspiring people. Yeah. I got to hand it to mom though. That's the one I always, I always think about like Pamela the same is like to stand behind, stand beside somebody while they go through that. What an opportunity to leave. I know. You're in rehab. You messed up. You made all these bad choices. You were drunk that whole time. See ya. Yeah. But they don't. Be definitely easy to do, wouldn't it? Yeah. They just, they, they hunker down and stand behind them and do everything they can to make it right. Yeah. She's been very strong this, this whole time and, and been through so much to herself. And, uh, I don't know, his life isn't, isn't easy, but, uh, all we can do is, you know, we look back on what we've learned, the relationships that we've had, like, I'm so thankful for our relationship, um, and being able to share running. You know, it's like you don't you don't hunt as much anymore, um, but we still have that connection with the with the running in the mountains. And um, you're also in the mountains in the winter all the time. Talk. I mean, I know uh, Tanner's mentioned wanting to get up on some of the sisters and this. And I said, well, talk to Taylor. He's climbing those things all the time. So what do you do in the winter? Uh, I try to, we do a lot of like backcountry skiing. We'll mm-hmm. uh, pack in, we'll skin in somewhere and climb something. Um, you know, we'll like Diamond Peak. I've been on Diamond Peak in February now a couple of times. Um, and it's a big local peak and it's a 12 mile slog and 6,000 feet of climbing. And it's an all dayer, you know, and it's one of those, it's eight hours to get up and one to get down, you know, cause <laughs> you're skiing now, but it's, it's just the, you know, it's, it's a ride that you get after all that effort. It's just a. When, when can you get up on the sisters? Um, any weather breaks is your biggest thing, but you know, really it's going to be probably June. I bet it's July this year. Yeah. That's the first time you can get up there. Yeah. I mean, I've been up there. You can get up there any time of the year, but Mm -hmm. condition, you know, depends on what you're trying to do. Right. To ski, to ski, to hike it and ski it. You've done that in the winter too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. South sister. Okay. At the South. Um, I don't know why we, the middle, those are slogs. Yeah. Middles in the middle. I mean, it's, it's hard to get to the middle. Yeah. But even the South can be, um, cause they closed the highway. That, right. That goes across there. So that's if right. You have a snow machine, you can cheat and get a little bit closer, but mm-hmm. I'm not that cool. <laughs> I'm just walking a lot. I know. Do you have any 
we tried, we did that FK or we didn't do the FKT, but we had it in our mind. But do you have any, because we were trying to do, I think you did, we did the three sisters, then broken top. And then I ran over and did bachelor and, uh, I, those guys do that so freaking fast. It's, yeah. it's insane how fast they are. Yeah, the five peaks. The five peaks. It's like six hour. I don't know. It's something nuts. Uh, I don't know what it, what it was, but it did, took me a lot longer than six hours. But do you have any um, FKT attempts you're going to go after? Um, I really want to have... Uh, there's a uh, Corvallis to the coast. It's mm. a trail that they cut um, just recently over the past few years. And uh, Ashton Ordell and I, one year, did it like when they first opened it and it's pretty funny. We're like, Oh yeah, we did it. No big deal. And like a couple weeks later, this girl did like a ribbon cutting ceremony because she had hiked it. Oh, we're like, (laughs) we just did that. I guess we didn't know anything. And, uh, they do kind of an alternate course. So I was trying to get her, I want her to crush like the, the F who Ashley. Yeah. She's good. She's a beast. Yeah. And so I was trying to get her to do it so I could have a good reason to run 60 miles before my hundred and then just push her Mm -hmm. because I think she can get like low nines. And that'd be pretty cool. It's local. She grew up in that area, you know, just up the road from us. And that's a 60, 61 miles from Corvallis and ends right on the beach. Oh, okay. So it's a pretty cool course and it goes up over close to Mary's Peak. So mm-hmm. it says, you know, but yeah, maybe that, um, otherwise, you know, work's so busy. I travel right. so much and I just have what races I do on my list and try to focus on those. Well, with Ashley, I know I had never run with her before, but we did. What was that one we did? Diamond Peak. Diamond Peak. Yeah. yeah. God. And we, uh, me, you, Ashley Nordell. And I was like, who is this person? She can freaking run. Yeah, she's a beast. I didn't know she was, she was such a stud. Yeah. That was a, that was a great day, though. She's like the classic school teacher, like quiet. And then all of a sudden you're doing 100 mile weeks. That's like a thing you do. No, I know. She's just freaking good. Yeah. I don't know. I I... She wins, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, I dread racing her. <laughs> I don't know that I've had to. Oh, no, she did. She crushed me at Mary's Peak 50 miler. And I ran that thing like 830. Really? Yeah, and it was like 12,000 feet. She crushed me. Yeah, she's, yeah. I don't know. She's kind of under the radar. I don't know if probably people in the ultra running world know her, but I hadn't really paid attention too much. And it was like that day, I was like, wow, yeah. she's really good. But yeah. we, uh, I don't know. There's some good, good local people around here. Nate Jockwell, like you said, you're going to race him. Where was that one at? Crazy Mountain in Montana. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He usually does uh, Hurt 100. Of course, we we know Candace Burt. She's still doing her ultra every day for 100 and how many days now? I, I don't know. I, every time I see it, I just feel lazy. Like, yeah. I can't believe I only ran six miles. Yeah, so I know people... <laughs> People have talked shit about me saying that I've done a marathon a day, which is like, that's broke up. And it's like only getting ready for 200. So I'll try to do, you know, multiple marathons in a row. And like, like people would say, well, that's impossible. I go, you don't know these freaks out here because now Candace Burt, and you can follow her. It's run Candace run on Instagram, but she's like 118, 120, I don't know, of ultra marathons in a row consecutively and doing 50 Ks, 31 miles a day and, uh, still going. Well, and she threw the hurt hundred in there too. She did the hurt. Yeah. Flew over to Hawaii, did the hurt 100, um, in the middle without missing a day and still did ultra marathons every day before every day after. And, uh, just the world record was, I think 23 or 28 ultra marathons consecutively. Now she's 
a hundred days over it. Didn't they start like a day apart? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but she, yeah. So you, Candace's crusher. She is, she is amazing. Um, but you got these people in these, these ultra running world, um, people that, that regular, the general public don't, doesn't know about that are just insane. Yeah. And it's just, it gives me, um, I, I don't know. It's kind of sobering to think about what's possible. So I think I'm working hard. Then I look at some of these people and I'm like, man, or even you, when you, when I, when I look at you and I think of you doing 500,000 feet of gain a year, that seems that's unreal, but you're out there doing it. You nothing else to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you could sit at home and drink beer like you used to. I could. Yeah. This is a little better option, huh? And that hurt more. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Mostly just the regret and the waking up the next, the next morning going, what am I doing with my life? So it feels good to, you know, I know, you know, you are an inspiration to a lot of people. I know people follow you. I know your recovery strong um, connection has inspired a lot of people. Uh, do you want to talk about what those guys have done and what, how you're working with them? Yeah, that's uh, those are my boys. Yeah, um, I w went to go hang out. I hung out with them last week in St. George, Utah, and um, it's just a a group of guys with a, a new focus and a new reason. And it's just to do better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not out trying to make money or do anything other than just be inspiring and make the right choices. Um, Jared and uh, the guys at Recovery Strong have been super helpful, and you know, it's. It's one thing to invest in people, but it's nothing to, to actually invest in the person and try to learn from them. I'll go spend time with those guys and they're who I want to be, mm -hmm. right? That's who they are to me. Um, you know, when I try to look up to somebody that's made the mistakes I've made or whatnot, that's that's where I go is those guys. Mm -hmm. And how long has it been since you drank now? Um, I'd actually put thought into this the other day. You did? Um, yeah, so Paxton's 14 um, so it's, it's about 13 years. Wow. Yeah. So it's about 13 years. And then, and then the pill piece has been about a, you know, a little less than a, about a decade. Mm. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you looked at your life when you were drinking and your life since you've been sober, nine day different, huh? Yeah. Very. Yeah. It's a, but in the, in the, you know, in the moment, I never, I never, that's, that's what I try to tell people is you don't realize, you don't realize what you're doing. You, you think it's okay as everybody else is doing, but you're, you have way more purpose than that in life. Like mm -hmm. listening to Nick on here the other day, I just, that's it. It's like, we need to do what we can to make sure that people do, can do better. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can make them smile or inspire them or I was telling Nick, you know, it's life beyond the desk, you know, as so you can get people past the desk and, um, you know, live their life a little bit, you know, that's, that's my goal. Um, yeah, I just. I've made a lot of bad choices. Um, I've made a couple of good choices that have positively impacted my family and my life and then others. And I just want to keep doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I, and, and Nick did say that he was wondering what his purpose was. He's like, you know, he wanted to be a bow hunter. He wanted to be a bodybuilder, but he's like, what am I really supposed to do? And it's like, just, you know, hug people. Yeah. Just yeah. be a positive influence. And it feels like that's, you know, in that same vein, that's what you're doing. And it's like, I always see people talking about you, people saying, I saw your brother. And it's always this positive, you know, people bring you up all the time to me and it's, and it's all good. It's like how you've 
made a positive impact on our life. And so whatever your goals are, or whatever you've been through in life, all I know is what you're doing now. And it's, it's, uh, you should feel proud. I mean, you're, you're helping people, you're pulling back the curtain on what's possible to, to people and you're encouraging people and they're seeing you and they want to do more. So it makes me feel very proud to be your brother. Yeah. That's the problem. It's a, it's good to know that, right? Cause you don't, you don't hear a lot of time you get little messages, but it's, it's a, it's an honor to hear that from you. I hear it all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, what we've been through in life and you being so much younger than me, but, you know, we're family and, uh, the times we've shared now are some of my most cherished, the, the races and just seeing you every time. It's like it, 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 when I see you, I'm always like, I feel, feel good. I feel it's, uh, it's to me, it's, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just really proud to be your brother. So, um, Thank you. Thank you for how you've enriched my life and what you're doing for others and just the example you're setting um, to, I don't know, people can, can learn. I mean, you've learned lessons and people can maybe learn from your journey too. And uh, that's what life's about. And I wanted to get you on this podcast and I wanted to, to be able to, I, I just think that your story is important and I wanted to help share it. So Thank you for coming today. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me be part of your journey, man. I, yeah, it's, it's super humbling watching you just walking in here is, is pretty awesome. Um, even for me, cause yeah, I'm your brother, but it's just to know that you're, that you're doing this and it's what you've always kind of wanted to do is just, and I've, we've heard about it for years and to be part of it is super humbling. Appreciate wow. it. Well, love you. Keep up the good work and, uh, we're going to keep making those positive memories. Love you too. All right. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a company that's very easy for me to promote because I drink coffee all day, every day. But more importantly, they are a huge supporter of the veteran community and are a veteran-owned business, so they have my full support. Use code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first order and 20% off subscription to the Coffee Club, where you get exclusive coffee blends and merchandise. Mountain Ops offers the best supplements on the market and functional gear for athletes and hunters. Their Battleground Merino garments are some of the best I have found. I've chosen to support a company that supports the community. A portion of every sale on Mountain Ops website, www.mountainops.com, goes to help feed a family in need. Use my code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first purchase and also receive free shipping.